Good morning, good morning, good morning, everyone. Welcome to the I'm Possible Radio Show with your girl, Lady J, right here on JQLM Radio, a division of Ego Entertainment Network. And of course, we have a special guest today. But before we introduce her, we have to get the formalities out of the way, as we always do. I hope that everyone out there is being safe, constantly following the social distancing guidelines um, as we begin to roll out the different phases of all of the different states, you know, reopening. I know everyone is eager to get back to work and get back to normal, but um, we want to... Acknowledge, though, that it is very important for us to try to preserve ourselves, of course, um, and our children while we continue to fight this virus. So with that being said, if this is your first time tuning in to JQLM Radio and you would like to share with your followers, family and friends of how they can tune in. I can tune in from several devices from anywhere, anytime um, and by downloading the JQLM Radio app or they can get JQLM Radio through the TuneIn app or the Stream a Simple Radio app. And for more ways they can tune in uh, through different applications, you can find that on our website, which I will mention here in just a short moment. You can also tune in straight from our Facebook page at JQLM Radio. Just click on the Use App button when you get there. Also, you can tune in from our website at www.egoentertainmentnet.com. That's www.egoentertainmentnet.com. Also, if you miss any of the shows here on JQLM Radio Live, then you can catch the episodes on any of the major podcast platforms. That includes Spotify, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podcast Addict, Deezer, CastBox, iTunes, and Google Play. Also, make sure you follow, like, and share us on social media. We do follow you back. You can follow JQLM Radio on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at JQLM Radio. And you can follow Ego Entertainment Network on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at EgoEntNet. You can follow the Impossible Radio Show on Facebook and Instagram. On Facebook, you can follow us at Impossible Radio Show and on Instagram at Impossible Radio. So now that we have the formalities out of the, out of the way, let's introduce our guest this morning. Our guest has an amazing story um, to share with you all, as well as uh, some encouragement and tips. And so our guest is none other than Corby Midlide. She uh, considers herself a three times breast cancer dancer. So, of course, we always love having individuals on who have battled and overcome this uh disease that has um touched so many people all over the world um in a negative and positive way so uh let's introduce her to the show good morning corby how are you great to be here good morning Good, good. So before we get into your story, I would like for you to introduce yourself to the guests, tell them where you're from, what you'd like to do in your spare time. Okay. Um, I am living in uh, Schoharie County, New York. It's about an hour west of Albany. It's very rural. We call it 32,000 people and a bunch of cows and sheep. But I grew up around Philadelphia, so it's very much a different planet. What I do for a living is I am an internationally known psychic medium. I'm in books. I've done radio. I've done television. 
I've been reading since I was 18, I'm 65. So that takes up a great deal of my time. And I'm very lucky because while we're all doing the big bug adventure, just what I call the whole COVID thing, mm-hmm. um, I'm still working from home. And I'm finding that an awful lot of people are no longer focused on, you know, am I going to get the job? Does Bruce love me? But what am I going to do with my life? Who am I going to be? What's going to happen? So the fact that I'm also a reverend, you know, I put on the collar and we, we talk a little bit about how to make the best of what's been handed to all of us. I am married, lovely man who was director of a revolutionary war museum for 23 years, but is happily retired. And two very large Maine Coon cats. They're like little dogs in cat suits. And that's the whole thing. Awesome. Um, you know, we'll get into the occupation later. It's it's always interesting to <laughs> to um, meet people, you know, um, with those types of gifts. So let's start with um, how you came to know that you had cancer and what was that experience like for you when you found out? All right. What you need to know is I was built like a brunette Dolly Parton, okay, from mm-hmm. right from puberty, 44 triple B, little waist and hips. I mean, there was no denying who I was. Mm-hmm. And so for a very long time, that's how I identified myself. That's all I was worth. I couldn't say no to anyone because, well, the body was the advertisement. I had no choice. In 1989, when I was um, acting in New York, I had a mammogram and they found microcalcifications. And they said it was probably nothing, but they went in, they did biopsies. And my doctor called and said, you really don't like being ordinary, do you? I said, what? He said, you have cancer both sides. Now this was ductal carcinoma in situ. The way I explain that in terms of layman's language is the cancer hadn't bought its airline tickets, looked at the cruise lines, hadn't bought its bathing suit, wasn't going anywhere yet. Mm -hmm. So I remember this is this is 30 years ago. So it was tougher treatment, but I had four lumpectomies. And then I did six weeks of radiation at. Sloan Kettering. This is while I was acting in New York and working 50 hours a week for a law firm and going to auditions. It was not particularly easy, but I knew that I somehow knew I wasn't going to die from this one. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay, suck it up. Let's deal with it. Um, And that's where I first experienced what I call being a co-conspirator, not a patient. I'll explain that in a little bit. We have to go through the other two. Mm. 2000, I got Paget's, which is a skin cancer, and it was direct from the radiation. Got rid of that. Married my wonderful husband in 2002. In 2004, you get your routine mammogram, microcalcifications again. Did the biopsies. They said, it's a second primary. It's not metastatic. You turn the clock back to zero. But, Third strike, you're out. We're taking both breaths. We're taking the ovaries and we're turning you from this Dolly Parton figure 
with a hop-to-trout libido to a fat fire plug, we will have permanent side effects and we will basically destroy your married life. Three weeks, suck it up. What could I do? Well, I went home and cried for 24 hours. Mm -hmm. And then I said, no, I know what I learned. It's a great place. It's going to close this year. But it's called the Option Institute in Massachusetts. And it taught me always look, you know, ask the next question. And life comes down to three things. What are you unhappy about? Why are you unhappy about that? What do you think would happen if you stopped being unhappy about that? So I knew at that point I needed to find three reasons to be okay with what was going on, no matter how stupid they sounded. Okay. Um, You don't have them. You can't get cancer there again. That's good. Mm -hmm. You're not going to get slammed in the refrigerator door at the doctor's every year, and every woman listening knows exactly what I'm saying about that. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And third, implants. That's cool. I'll be perky till I'm 93. I can deal. Mm -hmm. Um, So as they wheeled me into the OR, and I was hopped up on uh, fentanyl and Versed, which is a great, it puts you out left field and space cadet. Um, and I looked at the doctor who was going to do the demolition work. And I said, you have three hours for the demolition. And I looked at my plastic surgeon and I said, you have three hours for the front end alignment. I want to be out of here in six. Boom. Well, I was. Shopped for a bathing suit in five days, got out of Mass General in three and have been clear ever since. Has life been easy? No. Do I like who I am on the other side of it? Hell yes. Is my marriage still intact? We've been together for 20 years, but it takes work. Awesome. Awesome. So that's a lot to to cover, a lot to, um, you know, endure for any one person. Um, So let's talk about the the things that you experience while going through this, because we know that everyone handles things differently. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I know that you talked about being confident in the very first time that you were diagnosed in knowing that, you know, this was not going to defeat you. Um, mm-hmm. So tell me, was this your mindset the second and third time? And uh, did you go through bouts of, uh, I know you said that you cried for 24 hours, but did you ever go through bouts of like, uh, certain depression um, and any other um, side effects oh, hell, emotionally. Girl, of course, I'm human. Yeah. <laughs> um, the second time it was only skin cancer, so I wasn't worried. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know the girls were you know, still there, misshapen and scarred, but they were there. This time, however, because the cancer had started to travel, so thank God it hadn't gotten to the lymph nodes. I was scared. So I sat down with Samaria Kaufman, who was one of the co-founders of the Option Institute, and for two hours, we went through everything. What if I wake up and they've just closed me up because it's too bad they can't take it out? Mm. What if I wake up on the table but still paralyzed because some people, that's what happens, and hear and feel everything? What if I die on the table? What if my husband leaves me? What if they tell me I have to go through so much chemo, I want to die. What if I'm so ugly, I can't stand looking at myself. We just looked at this constantly. And I was, I had to face these things. And I had to get okay with them. Now, mind you, this was 16 years ago. So I don't remember what my precise reasoning pattern was. But 
I got to the point where I realized the only power I have right now is in the present moment. Right. And to worry about what might happen down the road is not going to help. So, and I also left myself open for the miracles. Um, it may seem small, but when you were built like I was, all those pretty skinny, strappy little sundresses, you can't wear those. Mm-hmm. After my surgery, I went in, I had always been a size 14, 16. After my surgery, I was a 12. And I went in and I tried one on without a bra and I looked good and I burst into tears. It was a miracle. Now, you know, at 65, I no longer have the figure I had right after the surgery at, you know, 49 or 50, but that's okay. Mm -hmm. I'm still me. And I realized, and it was so important, I am more than the rack. When you look like I did, you're convinced that no guy looks above the neck or below the waist. Mm -hmm. They're just headlights. So now I, I was able to explore everything that I was without the rack. I really liked myself a lot better because I stopped worrying about how I came across. I was just me. So again, another gift. Okay. So the, uh, um, you talked about, uh, you know, meeting your husband. I know um, in some of your bio, you said that you had gone through, you know, two divorces. You mm-hmm. were, you know, you've experienced poverty and abuse. Um, let's talk about how that all played a role, too, in this journey. Well, my first husband and I were married less than a year. Uh, first time he started hitting me, I left. So you need to know about that. Mm-hmm. Second husband... Um, he had been married several times before I'd been married once. We both figured we'd been around the block so many times we owned property, but we liked each other. So I figured it would simply be, you know, a happy, friendly marriage. But after a couple of years, he decided he didn't like being married. He didn't like sharing his money. And he was moving to California. He had moved us to Atlanta and said, I'll see you. Now, another example. For three weeks, I played the wounded wife. And then I said, where's my happy? And I said, he was my friend for 12 years first. And I said to him, if you want to leave, that's fine. But I want to keep my friend. Mm -hmm. That changed the whole thing. And um, we did everything on a handshake. And when he died, the other thing, we always sent each other birthday cards. We always did. Mm -hmm. He died in October of one year. I was doing a lecture at a spiritualist church in Rochester in March the following year, right around my birthday. And it was what I call rookie day, where people who had never given messages, they're allowed to come up and give a message. And this one woman comes to me. She's shaking. She says, Reverend Corby, I have a message. And I go, yeah. And she starts to say, I see a mix like Santa Claus, only he's blonde and he's in a red t-shirt and shorts and sandals. And he's holding a cat that looks like a Siamese, but it's got long hair. And he's making it wave at you. And he's blowing you kisses. And she's crying because she thinks that I will have her committed. Uh-huh. And I'm laughing because uh-huh. that's my husband, Rich. I know the T-shirt. Uh-huh. He was a California computer programmer. Of course, he's in shorts and sandals. The cat he was holding was the Himalayan Kaiser Wilhelm that we had bought together. And it was a week before my birthday. Uh-huh. Now, 
another example of take what happens and make it better. With Carl, what I tell people is for years I dated and married bad biker boy types. Mm-hmm. And I ended up married to a guy who's like Father Mulcahy from MASH. And I didn't realize that's what I wanted until I had it. He's kind. He's honest. He's funny. He's monogamous. He's responsible. He's not edgy. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they're the ones that laughed. So I figured, that's why in 2002 I figured, great, I've got all this behind me. You know, when I was married to my first husband, we were living at 42nd and Osage in Philadelphia. That used to be known as Rape Central. We had hot and cold running cockroaches in the apartment that would spell out good morning in the, in the kitchen sink. Mm. It was awful. And the one time that my parents came to visit us, because they hated my first husband, there was a drunk sleeping in the hall. It never happened again, had never happened before, but it's like general casting said, let's really make her parents very upset at where she's living. Right. So, and when that husband wouldn't work, I'm not going to go into what I had to do, but it was rough. Mm -hmm. So all of that, and I had gotten to 49, and I found a guy that I loved, who loved me, and it looked like we would have a good, normal marriage. And then this third cancer, boom, you know, just runs me over. But that's why the stuff from auction is so important. Um, I talked earlier about being a co-conspirator, not a patient. Mm -hmm. And you can do that whether you're a patient or whether you're going through divorce or whatever. Right. In the late 80s, when you went to Sloan Kettering in New York and you were having radiation, you would check in. They told you to go put your clothes in a locker and you put on the blue hospital gown and you go into the radiation room and then you come out and you get dressed again. Not me. Little Miss Actress here with my headshots and my audition postcards, etc. And I would come in full hair and makeup. And the woman at the desk the first day didn't even look up. In there, closing the, in the locker, I said, no thanks. And she looks up like, what? I said, I'm going to be in the alpha cradle for five minutes. I don't need to do that. Shirt mm-hmm. comes off, shirt goes on, I'm fine. Uh, okay. <laughs> and that was the way it was for the entire 36 sessions I had with radiation. And it got to be that everybody wanted to see what the actress was going to wear, who she talked to uh, in the waiting room. There was one day about two and a half weeks in where I sat down next to someone who obviously was having her own private pity party. And they said, hi, what's with you? She looks at me and says, I have cancer. I said, me too. What flavor is yours? Boom. <laughs> Pulls her right out of her pity party. We start talking. I, by the end of my sessions, she was, you know, like, but a week behind me. She was coming in in hair and makeup. She was refusing to put on the gown. And she was starting to talk to and cheerlead the other patients. That's why our attitude is so important. Right. Um, does it mean we should be happy we have cancer? Hell no. Right. But it was something that was handed to us. And by the way, it's not because we had bad karma. Mm-hmm. Bad karma, good karma, carrot and stick is such a kindergarten way of looking at it. It is a lesson you chose to work with and learn from in your life. So... That's why I say that I'm a three-time cancer dancer. I don't say I fought cancer, because what you fight fights back. 
And I don't say that I'm a survivor because that whole image makes me think about teeth and toenails hanging on. A cancer dancer finds out how graceful they can be under pressure, avoids getting their toes stepped on, and gets off the dance floor in one piece. So I say that I've danced with cancer three times. I love it. I absolutely love it. <laughs> so um, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about how you came into um, becoming a minister and a medium and how you use your story um, of uh, overcoming, you know, cancer three times um, to help other people. Um, and, you know, we just got a glimpse of that in, in your attitude and what you did while you were going through it. So everyone stick and stay. We'll be right back. You're tuned into JQLM radio right here on Eagle Entertainment Network, the Impossible radio show with your girl, Lady J. And we are talking with Corby Midlight.
Hey, everybody, it's your girl, Lady J, owner of Ego Entertainment Network and host of the Unpossible Radio Show. Have you ever thought about having your own radio or podcast show? Maybe be featured in a magazine or air commercials on television or maybe even have your own TV show. Well, look no further. Ego Entertainment Network is here for all of your media production needs. Contact us today at 317-886-0296 or visit our website at www.egoentertainmentnet.com. You would be surprised at how affordable it is. Oh, don't forget, tune in to JQLM Radio every day. Download the JQLM Radio app for all of you Android users or Apple users and Android users. You can use the TuneIn app or Listen straight from our website or the JQLM Radio Facebook page. Ego Entertainment Network, empowered greatness optimized. This is Kiki Wyatt, and you're tuned in to JQLM Radio. Welcome back to the I'm Possible Radio Show with your girl, Lady J, right here on JQLM Radio, a division of Ego Entertainment Network. And we have been talking with Corby Mitlide, the three times breast cancer dancer. And if you are just tuning in uh, to the show before the break, she was sharing with us how she came to be diagnosed with cancer three times, um, the things that she battled with and, and went through and overcome during this journey and now we're going to get into how you came to become a minister and a psychic medium so if you could share with us uh whichever one came first how did this come to be and what inspired you to enter into these two um realms of service okay um believe it or not the, the uh, old line I started out as a child is true. When I was nine, I read a book called The Witch Family by Eleanor Estes. And instead of thinking, ooh, that's scary, or ha, 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 I thought, and your point is, I knew there was magic in the world, and I wanted to go find it. Fast forward to 1973, when I was a senior in high school, and I was working part-time at Spencer Gifts, and they had the James Bond 007 tarot deck, and I bought it. I mean, we were all hippies then. Elephant bells, fringe jacket, and a dick. Five years later, everybody else moved on to uh, roller skates and disco balls. I was still reading the cards. I loved the stories and the allegories that they could tell. So all of a sudden, 20 years later, after keeping my ego out of that and being as clear for my friends as I could, all of a sudden I could do hands-on healing and talk to dead people with no training. Uh, that's when the boss upstairs handed me my draft notice and said, hello, you're working for me. So I put my shingle out part-time. Meanwhile, checkered career, actress, author, inspirational speaker. I wrote for comic books for 10 years, legal assistant, video producer, executive recruiter for engineering and manufacturing. Name it, I did it. But on 9-11, Carl and I sat and watched the towers burn And I said to him, I have got to do this work full time. People need to know there are other answers out there than fear. And he looks at me and says, I believe in you, go do it. So for a year, 
I still worked as an executive recruiter 70 hours a week, but I did the intuitive work evenings and weekends until I was sure I could make a living at it. 2002, that was it. I do this full time and I've never looked back. Um, what I do is not a matter of, oh, wow, it's so amazing. Look at all the stuff I can do. My aura don't stink. This is service. Um, uh, became reverend for a couple of reasons. Um, number one, when I would do events in the South, they would be convinced I was a devil worshiper and blah, blah, blah. I'd say, no, I'm a reverend doing pastoral counseling. And they would back off. And the other was there are people who wanted sacred ceremony and didn't belong to a particular church. And since I'm non-denominational, I could do that for them. Because like I say, I know who the boss is that I work for. Right. Um, the point of what I do is to show people, here are your opportunities and how to grab them. Here's the tough stuff. Here's how to get through it or around it. Here's your toolbox. Go rock and roll. For instance, um, I don't really like yes or no questions because that gives you no place to go. You know, is my business going to be successful? And what if I looked at you and said, no, you're going to lose everything and live in a box under a bridge. You're asking the wrong question. Right. Ask me, how do I make this business take off? Then it is tarot, but it's a multi-card spread. You, the energy around the business, the brick and mortar location, how to market it. Clients, competition, staff, finance is what you need to know and best possible outcome. So you have all the tools and the material to go and make it work. It's still free will, and I still can't guarantee you're going to go drive a Maserati by year two. But at least you will have the tools to make it work. The problem is when you ask those yes or no questions, and there are lots of unscrupulous psychics out there, they could say, oh, no, I'm sorry. I don't see your business being very good. You see, you have a family car. How many in your family? Four. You have dogs. $50 every family member. 25 for your dog. He's small. You come to me every week. For three months, we fix it. You know? Right. It doesn't work that way. But one of my favorite stories, I used to go up to Canada and do shows there. There was a guy who was in love with a woman down the street. And she had a husband and a baby and a dog and a minivan. But he went to a psychic who said, oh, there are karmic knots to untie. And as soon as we do that, she will leave her husband and fall into your arms. Three years and $30,000 later, the psychic had gone to parts unknown. He'd still never met the woman and she'd had another baby. So, no. Don't expect the kinds of things that you see in all the bad B movies. We are here to help guide. We can sometimes hit you upside the head with a clue brick, but we are not going to make someone else's husband leave for you. We're not going to get you a job that somebody else deserves. We're not going to tell you the lottery numbers. I mean, my God, me first. If you don't see your psychic at least driving a Lexus, how do you know they know the lottery numbers? You don't. <laughs> so that's why psychic medium is, is what a lot of people say, but I prefer to call it intuitive counseling because there are, things that I can get that don't come in through the five senses, if that makes sense. Right. So what made you, because a lot of people run from uh, their, when they're called to minister, um, a lot of people mm -hmm. run from that calling. So everybody is like, yes, excuse me, Lord, just not in that way. 
<laughs> you know, he talk, a lot of people who, uh, who who I know and um, even people who I don't know that I've listened, you know, talk about when they were called to be a pastor or called to be a minister. Um, it's th- that responsibility is just like not something that people are like, hey, pick me, you know, or running towards. So what made you answer mm-hmm. that call? And did you struggle with moving forward in you know, in becoming a minister? Well, um, I've always been the kind of person that people start talking to and then they stop in the middle and they go, God, I never tell anybody all this stuff. And I just say, it's okay, keep talking. I am a very good listener. Um, One of the problems a lot of people have is half your sentence comes out and they're already thinking about what they're going to answer you with. So they miss the second half of the sentence. I don't. I listen and concentrate on everything you say. I also keep my ego out of the way. Um, if, if I'm doing a session with you, I'm not thinking about what I need to do about the grocery list. I'm not thinking about, well, God, my life was a lot better than yours, pumpkin. It's just, no, this is the person who has come to me and I am required to be the head, hands, and heart of God on earth. That's my job. Now, there's also the old saying, the um, laborer is worthy of his hire. Uh, he has been kind enough to, as I get clearer, though, trust me, my, I have my crappy days like anybody else. Um, I, I make a living at this. I'm not John Edward with TV shows and things, but I pay our bills and I do it honestly. And the fact that I can do this full time means I can be there for other people. Now, there, there's an old thing, a wounded healer. You can be a doctor, but if you've had perfect health and never had a problem, you're not going to empathize with your patients the same way as if, well, you had Crohn's disease or you were in a major accident your senior in high school or. So because I have had the tough life I've had, my, my ability to be empathetic mm-hmm. is larger. And all I have to do is when I say, well, I, I don't want to do this anymore, I, I get tapped on the shoulder by you know, my big wing buddies, and they say, all right, think back to when you were in that position. And what if somebody said, I don't want to bother with you. We are all linked together. You know, it's why um, there's a video on my YouTube channel, Fear versus Fame, that's specifically made for the big bug adventure we're going through right now. Fear mm-hmm. equals false evidence appearing real. Mm-hmm. Fame equals full acceptance means everything. If you can accept, I don't like it, but this is where we are right now, and we're social distancing, and we're staying at home, and all of that then you find ways to work with it. Right. You find ways to be a servant. So that's the whole thing. When you realize everything you've gone through can help heal somebody else, you run to be of service. Right. And I think that is, um, for, for me personally, it's, one, you go through like the phase of one, this being you're in shock that you actually made it out of that. And two, then it's like you, you, it's surreal. 
And then three, uh, if you are, you know, connected, you know, to God, then it's like, okay, use me. I'm going to tell everybody because I want somebody else to know, like, you can, you know, there is something on the other side. So mm-hmm. um, I, I totally um, understand that. When, um, now, let's talk about what um, inspired you then to write the book that um, helps people, you know, look at um, their life and begin to go through the things uh, that they need to in order to to clean out the mess. Um, so clean out your life closet. Can you tell us what inspired you to write this book and what it's actually about? Oh, sure. Um, I jokingly say words are my drug of choice. I loved writing, always have. And my father, God bless him, best friend, he kept saying, you know, there's a book in you. You've got to write a book. You've got to write a book. And everybody, oh, you're so funny. You have to write a book. Well, a couple of years ago, what I did is on my Facebook page, I said, all right, what are the subjects y'all would need to have in a book like this? And I was given 36, but the four that came up most were clarity, adaptability, simplicity, and how to handle stress. So I took those four ideas and broke them down and wrote chapters. For instance, on getting uh, clear, it's what is getting clear, getting clear on your purpose, getting clear on your relationships, getting clear with spirit, with God. Um, But the thing is, every single one of us, um, we've all had books that we go by in the self-help area and the titles look sexy and the covers are great. We flip through a couple of pages and it looks good and we get it home and this person is not talking to me. I, I mean, I get home a book and it says I should be vegan and do yoga every day. Not going to happen, you know? <laughs> so when I wrote the book, it was more like, here's some of the stupid things I went through. Here's a story of one of my clients. And here's some ideas you might want to try on. But the big key is what you get at the end of each chapter. I call them the adventure pages. They are open-ended questions so that you can look at your life and decide how much of what I just wrote is useful to you. And if you do all those end-of-chapter questions throughout the book, by the end of the book, this is your personal manual. Somebody else is going to read it differently. I mean, questions like, you at finding happiness in the moment? If you aren't good, what do you think stops you? Which happiness ingredient is your favorite? Why? Think of three situations in your life that aren't looking terrific right now. Mm-hmm. How can you find some happiness in the journey? Right. Now, you see, you can't say, well, she said that I should know because it's all based on your life. Most of us are taught to believe that we have to look outside us for the expertise that will never be as good as Marie Kondo for tidying up our house, for instance. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, that's great for Marie Kondo, but the idea that I'm only going to keep seven books because the rest of them I haven't picked up in six months, that's nuts. No, mm-hmm. we have an 874 square foot bungalow. It's tiny, but it's full of what we love. And that's right for us, even if Marie Kondo would find it wrong. So 
the whole point is when you're in charge of your changes, all possibilities in your life are yours as well. So that's why I wrote this. I, these are the experiences that I've had, guys. I may never do a session with you. You may live in Duluth. What's that, Iowa, Montana? I don't know. But let's say you live in Duluth. Boom, <laughs> buy the book. It's like I'm sitting with you with a cup of coffee. And you can figure out your life and clean out your own life closet. There are going to be two other volumes after that, but this is the one that's here now. Right. Okay. So um, I'm ac absolutely um, loving your your attitude towards everything because it's very difficult for people to see or learn how to how to see the good in the midst of the bad. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, for me personally, I have to, and a lot of times we don't realize it till we look back. And mm -hmm. once you've looked back and you see how far you've come, it's almost like God begins to replay your life on, um, on film. And then he begins to show mm -hmm. you, see, I was there. That was me. You know, that was me in, mm -hmm. in that. And then as you begin to take all that in, when you, come into adversity you know as you continue on in life then you begin looking for that you know looking for those things um to remind mm -hmm. you that hey this is just another um circumstance that you have to get through that's gonna you know teach you a lesson and you're gonna gain some tools to help somebody else so um I think that that is uh awesome the way you approach everything and the fact that you were able to do it to um the very first time being as confident as you were because let's just be honest when people hear the words you know you have cancer it's almost like they immediately have this moment where they're like oh my god I'm gonna die you know so um it, it just makes people's heart sinks and their loved ones as well because it's a battle for them as well and so I think it, when you're in something and those who are close to you, your attitude affects the people around you as well. So um, when you're in high spirits, it's easy for them to be in high spirits too. Um, and the fact that you're, you've been uh, willing and, and open to help people um, learn how to do that is, is awesome and amazing. And we, and we need more of that, of course, um, because let's just be honest, your attitude definitely determines your altitude. And some people stay in the Valley longer than they have to be because of their attitude while they're in it. So um, I think that's awesome. You know what part of the problem is? We've turned into a victim think civilization. Mm -hmm. um, look at things like Jerry Springer. Look at Dr. Phil. You don't get on there if you're an ordinary person. You don't get on there if your life is good. You get on there if you are so miserable mm -hmm. and people pay attention to you. Or uh, extreme makeover. Um, if you're doing a good job and, you know, you've you got a decent life, but you could use a little help, no, they won't look at you. But if you have a pity party story to tell, you get a 12-bedroom house. Mm -hmm. So people are, have been trained to think, I won't get any attention and people won't care unless I'm a big fat victim. Right. And you know, you get what you look for. If you're looking to have a pity party and be a victim guaranteed, the universe will bring it to you. I, I always say the universe 
is a short order cook with no imagination. You look at, at the celestial waiter and you say, God, I really want to be out of debt. I can't stop thinking about my debt. Waiter hears debt, 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 can't, can't stop thinking. Ordering, and you just get more debt. It's like what they talked about in The Secret. When you look for the better stuff, you're more aware of where the better stuff is, and you attract it. Look, think about you've got twin nephews, and you buy them the same toy for Christmas. And one of them plays with it, breaks it, goes on. The other one takes care of it, thanks you, shows you how cool it is. Which kid are you going to be more likely to want to buy something nice for? That kid who says thank you. Right. Same thing with life. The more you concentrate on the positive, the more you pull the good stuff out of the dung heap, the more the universe is going to say, oh, you want more of that? Here, sure, we can do that. Right. And for all the problems I've been through, the joy of helping other people avoid them, it's beyond words. Just cannot express it. Right. Awesome. I'm going to take a break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about how you can get the book and where you can follow Corby and get her final thoughts. So stick and stay. You're tuned into the I'm Possible Radio Show with your girl, Lady J, right here on JQLM Radio, a division of Ego Entertainment Network. We'll be right back.
because of yours prayers for me I'm still here Welcome back to the I'm Possible Radio Show with your girl, Lady J, right here on JQLM Radio, a division of Ego Entertainment Network. So we have been talking to the amazing Corby Midlide, um, who is a three times breast cancer dancer. And before we get her final thoughts and how you can um, purchase her book and follow her and support her. It is time for your impossible point of power. Today's point of power is entitled face it. You cannot fix what you refuse to face. You cannot keep putting a bandaid over a bullet wound. If you do, it will continue to spread into a deadly infection that will kill you emotionally, mentally, and sometimes physically. Go through the pain of the emotional surgery to get to the promise of healing. That is your impossible point of power for the week. Corby, um, if you would, please let everyone know um, where they can purchase your book and how they can support you and where they can follow you. Well, I'm, I'm kind of all over there. <laughs> you can't <laughs> afford me. First of all, you can uh, purchase the book at Amazon. It's in actually three forms. Clean Out Your Life Closet comes as a paperback, a Kindle, of course. And it's also an audio book, which um, I did myself, you know, was, was voiceovers in New York. Mm-hmm. And to me, if, uh, if it's a nonfiction book, it's really powerful if it's read to you by the person who wrote it. Right, right. Um, there's also another book, The Psychic Yellow Brick Road, if you want to find out why I do what I do, that kind of thing. Um, where you can find me, you'll find me on Facebook. Fire Through Spirit is the page you look for on Facebook. You'll find me at my website, CorbyMitlide.com. You'll find me on Instagram. You'll find me on Twitter. You'll find me on Pinterest. You'll find me where people are. But the best place is always the website because there are literally hundreds of articles on there. You can sign up for my newsletter. Anything fun and interesting that I'm doing, I put it there first. Awesome. Amazing. So if you could help anyone 
right now that's listening, that's going through something that seems impossible for them to overcome um, or something that they've already actually made it out of, but they're stuck uh, emotionally and mentally, what would you say? There's a little saying that hangs in my office that I truly, truly believe in, and that is begin to weave and God will give the thread. You say, all right, I am ready to make the changes. I do not pretend to know what the heck they're supposed to be, but I'm ready. Bring it. You start believing that you are meant for good things, that it is possible, that you can take one step forward at a time. And the other thing I will remind people is if you're in a car driving from New York to Seattle in the dark, you trust the road is there. You just keep your eye on what you can see in the headlights, but you trust the road is there. I don't care how tough it's going to be, my darlings. I know there is a way through this for you. Put on your headlights, remember who's your co-pilot, and you can get through this. Awesome. Um, Corby, I want to thank you for being my guest this morning. You did an amazing job. Um, I love having you. It was a pleasure. (laughs) You're one of my favorite guests. (laughs) Um, And I just want to, again, commend you for even being able to approach um, the things that seem impossible, uh, you know, knowing that it was going to be okay, and then helping others look at it that way, too, while they were in it and continuing to help people look at their lives um, in this manner and helping them get to uh, a place uh, of, you know, a victory and just keeping that mindset going through every adversity that they face, um, because that is extremely important. If you want to be, you know, successful in life, a lot of people think, look at, think success is just about, you know, making a lot of money in business, but no, you can be a public success and a private failure. So, um, it is very important to look at success too, when it comes to your life, period and as a person so um i definitely commend you on on doing that and uh, being transparent and using um your gifts and your experience your life experience to help people um is there anything thank you for for giving me the opportunity to do a little more of it lady j no problem um is there anything else that you would like to leave with our listeners before we close out the show yep my favorite thing Guys, I am not special. You can do what I do, every bit of it. So go look in the mirror and find out what am what am I going to make magic with today? Because you've got it already. Awesome. So as I always say before we close out the show, after all of the hell you went through, the word through is an indication that you defeated the impossible too. New adversities will come, but overcoming them has already made you unstoppable. The favor over your life incomparable, which gives you the right to think and believe I'm possible. This is your girl, Lady J, and you have been tuned into the I'm Possible Radio Show this morning right here on JQLM Radio, a division of Ego Entertainment Network. Thank you all for joining me. Love y'all. Deuces. <laughs>